theyeshiva.net. Okay, we are we're Dav Chavav, right? Dav Chavav, the first column. The middle of the page, Chavav Amaral of the line starts Mayayin, Mamash, the middle of the page. Page 51, on top it says, Achirei Velachem Bereshashana. So you remember what we learned yesterday? The big question of creation is an act of self-expression or it's an act of self-abnegation. Is it about self-actualization or is it about self-renunciation? Does that work? Did I just make up a word? Self-renunciation? Doesn't work? I never heard it before, but it, it makes sense. Okay, fine. I give up. <laughs> There's such a word, renunciation. Yeah, yeah, Just you can't say self renunciation. Let's call it self transcendence. Better. Self transcendence or self actualization. So the aside here is that creation, by definition, is the Dvar Hashem invested. In what? In Eir, in Akia, in all of the elements that comprise the universe and the universes. And it's Be'ein Aroich. It's completely Ein Aroich Klal, Leis Machshavet Vise Be'klal. It's completely not Be'erech So therefore, it's called Milin Dehediyote. Very daring words. Milin Dehediyote. Peasant like words. Lav Orchadamalk. So the fire, the light has to be held down. The Dvar Hashem, which is called Eish, Hashem Alekecha, Eish Eichlo. The fire has to be contained. It has to be held out. If not, it departs back to its source. So the act of creation is an act that's contrary to the natural, to the natural, so to speak, reality of the Ein Soif. Because he has to renounce infinity to create room for finiteness. And generally... This is the Belchvoidi Barasav Yitzartiv in Kavadala Torah. It's the Torah that contains the Ayr. And he says generally Torah and Yiddishkara are divided into three categories Torah, Tfilah, and Zdaka, which correspond to the Brasiv Yitzartiv Af Asisiv. And he explained the first is Brasiv, which is Machshava, which is the first creation, the first glimmer of consciousness, like something from nothing, which represents Tfilah which is primarily an avoid in machshava, in re'usa deliba, in the internal heart of the person. And it's during the tefillah, when the person says, Baruch atah Hashem Eloikeinu, Melech Ha'olam. It's as a result of Eloikeinu, the complete oneness of man with Hashem in davening, that allows him also to be a Melech Ha'olam, because the Neshamas Yisrael are the kiyum and maimed of all the Olamas. So therefore... When you have a Lekeinu, you can have Melech HaOilam, and you say it every morning in Berch HaShachar, because every morning there's a new creation. HaMachadosh Betuvi Bechol Yom Tamad Even though it's every moment, but the visual of it is every morning when you see that transition from night to day, from pitch black, from Choshech to Oir, we see something, we get a glimmer of an experience of a new dawn, a new existence, a new reality, a new creation, like by the creation of the world was first night and then first night and then light. It's like Yeshmeyayin. 
and uh, he says, well, and he finishes this nekunda v'lachem b'rishashon aimrim zayim tchilas maasecha. So currently I'm rishon. Kibereshashon and nivra ha'olam v'tamid b'chalshon achayzer adav lekadmusa. On Rishashana, we say this is the beginning of your creation. Rishashana, the world was actually created, and every year it goes back to its original state and gets recreated. That's every year, and then there's every day, and then there's every moment. It's artiv. So the machshava of tefillah, that's the first yisoid that allows the oil of alakus to remain entrenched in the world, which that moment of tefillah is the machshavas halev, the kavana where you become a Merkava, you become completely one with one, and there's nothing stopping that relationship, that Vekus, that allows for it to be also Melech HaOilam, where there's a separate world, which is what Malchus is. Yitzartiv, Ubchines HaDibur. The next stage is Yitzartiv. The Pesach says, Brasiv Yitzartiv Afasis. Yitzartiv represents speech. Why? Sha'oyset Tzuril Oysis HaMachshava. Speech gives form to thought. Letters of thought are not something from nothing, like letters of letters of speech are not something that come from nothing, like letters of thought. The letters of speech have already been in thought. What they do for the letters of thought is they give it a form. They reveal it, they express it. You don't know what I'm thinking until I don't talk about it. It gives it a more concrete form. The letters of Machshava are like the material for the Tzura of Dibur. So we now come from Tfila to Tair. When you speak about Machshava and Dibur, it's two very different realities. There's thinking and there's speaking. One of the challenges you'll see practically with people is that they don't realize how far the world of thought is from the world of speech. So you may have unbelievable ideas. Now somebody says, can you make a presentation? The office is going to meet, the company is going to meet, there's going to be a board meeting, can you make a presentation? And the person always has what to say and they're always thinking about ideas. But it's very difficult for them to open their mouth and speak. Why? Because the way something is in Machshava and the way it comes into Dibur is a very serious transition. Dibur is not a new reality. Dibur is a development of Machshava. You speak after you think, or at least you're supposed to speak after you think. It's a good idea to speak after you think. People who speak without thinking, it sounds a certain way. Also, they also think. That's true. This is, these are their thoughts. That's true. That's true. That's even scarier, right? Chacham, Mahu, Oimer. What you are, you express in your words. Machshava is is like Yeshmeyayin. Dibur is already Yeshmeyash. Dibur takes the material of thoughts and concretizes it. First of all, it reveals it. The Gemara says, You don't know what I'm thinking. Nobody knows what other people are thinking, which is probably a blessing in many situations. Imagine if you were sitting at a speech and the speaker knew exactly what you thought of him and of his words. It wouldn't be so gishmak, right? Imagine somebody sitting and talking to you and you they know everything you're thinking. The fact that machshava is concealed is a blessing. It's also a curse. It's a curse because we could live a very hidden life, a very dishonest life. It's a blessing because sometimes you have to mitigate and dilute and, and develop how thoughts should be expressed. 
Nicht alles, was man tracht, darf man sagen. Nicht alles, was man tracht, kann man sagen. Not everything you think should you say. Not everything you think can you say. Without it coming across sometimes as obnoxious or, or self-centered or overly aggressive or judgmental, whatever. So Dibur, without Dibur, there's no revelation. It remains concealed, number one. Besides that, it's not just it brings it out. It brings out a different qu- product. Dibur changes the product. It gives it form. It gives it concrete elements. You have an idea, and then you have to write it down in an article. It's a whole different reality. That's why it could take hours and days and weeks to write it down. Why? You know it. When you know something in thought, it's not like bringing it out in speech. Because when you bring it out in speech, every word is measured. Every word has to have its place. Every word has to be concrete. Thoughts It's much more abstract, much more nebulous. And sometimes in 20 seconds you could think an idea that would take you a, a day to speak about. In thoughts, everything is so abstract and so intangible. A lot of truths could come together within a few seconds. You see when people daydream, right? Anybody's daydreaming as I'm speaking? Okay, you could continue. But if you want to come back, you can testify that over the last 30 seconds... You thought about 20 different topics, and they were all covered fully. They were all covered fully. You like scan. You scan through the world and your thoughts and done. Now you have to talk about it. Oh, leave me alone. I can't talk about it. So it's a different world. So he says, Machshava is like Chaimer. And Dibur is Tzura. You take Chaimer, which is raw material, and now you develop it into a table, into a shtende, into a bookcase, into a candelabra, whatever it is. Dibur takes the Machshava and makes a Tzura out of it. It's Megalit, and it makes a tzura out of it. So it's not yesh meyayin. It's yesh meyesh. You take the machshava. Where machshava, that's the initial glimmers. The initial glimmer of thought, that's like yesh meyayin. In creation, you have brosiv, yitzartiv. Brosiv, I created the world, that's machshava. Yitzartiv, I formed the world, that's the concept of dibur. In avoida, since it's our avoida that holds the world intact, because naturally the divine energy would go back to its source, like fire. It's our avoider that holds the world intact. And the world is comprised of three categories. Machshava of God, Dibur of God and Maisa. So Yiddishkeit operates on these three levels as well. There's the Machshava of Yiddishkeit, there's the Dibur of Yiddishkeit, and there's the Maisa of Yiddishkeit. Each one holds down the fort in a different way. In other words, since the Kiyama Oilam is through Nesham Yisrael, the souls of Jewish people are like at the core of the world, the interlacing link between heaven and earth. It's like at the core, at the what the axis, the axis. You know, the globe revolves around, rotates on an axis, right? Physically, so to speak, I don't mean that physically there's an axis, but we imagine there's an axis. Rotating an axis means like you have a pole and you rotate around it, right? What is it called? It's seer. It's called it's seer. The hinge, the core, the, the axis upon which the earth rotates. The Balatanya here says that the axis upon which the earth and the whole world rotates is the Jew. Sur Yisrael. Sur Yisrael. Zayagit. I hope that you mean the one of Shmenasra. Yeah. So, Hamevin Yavin. So, Sur Yisrael is the. Sakshinibir, Azaybipshitis. The axis upon which everything revolves, everything exists. It's the wick that holds down the fire, the Dvar Hashem. Because naturally the Dvar Hashem, it's a clown game. 
the axis of it is Neshama Sisiral. So therefore, everything in the world has to exist in Avoida. There's no two separate things. Avoida reflects the world. Refle- the world reflects Avoida. In other words, some people see religion <coughs> in the exact opposite line of this. Meaning, they see the purpose of religion to keep people isolated. The truth is what he's saying here is that the identity of Yiddishkeit is deeply interconnected with the whole cosmos. Everything in the cosmos finds its counterpart in Avoida. Everything in Avoida finds its counterpart in the cosmos. So there's a relationship, there's an organic relationship between us and nature, between us and the universe, between us and all of the universes. You can have a star that's 20 billion light years away, but somehow it's relevant to you. Somehow it's relevant to you. There was once a Yid, Yid, and uh, he went in, uh, a far, fine Yid, an Erlich Yid, and he went in on a Yechidus, on a personal audience to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and uh, he wasn't a Chassid, he certainly wasn't a Chabad Chassid, and he asked the Rebbe that uh, the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, Chayev in Sanhedrin, Lamed Zayin, Lamed Ches, Chayev Adam Loima Beshvili Nivra Ha'olam. Person is obligated to say the world was created for me. The Rambam, in his introduction to Pirish Mishnayas, is a long introduction. That the world was created for the Jew to serve God. So he tells the Rebbe, Do you believe that this is a real truth? Because it's very hard for me to accept this. This is, for example, in China, there are 1.2 billion people. They don't even know I exist. I'm a little, little guy. So you're going to tell me that somehow yeah, their creation has to do with my Avedis Hashem? It seems like a joke. So the Rebbe says, why don't we take a look at your suit? He says, open your jacket. What does it say there? So he opens it up, made in China. He says, Esther, made in China. Made in China. <laughs> you see it? <laughs> so you open your suit. Take a look what it says there. So I'll call upon him. Because in the world you have machshav, a bros of yitzartev, afasisiv. So in Avoida you also have. Machshav is tefillah. And now comes the second stage, which is dibur. What's the second element of Yiddishkeit? He said Yiddishkeit is divided into three strands, three streams. So tefillah is the concept of machshava, that's all internal. It's the internal mindfulness of the Jew that creates the mindfulness of the world. Our thought process affects the thought process in the world. Our thought process, our state of mind, affects the state of mind, the consciousness in the whole world. Because everything is linked together. Everything is connected together. Just like they say as the butterfly... um, uh, Flaps its wings. Flaps its wings. And there's effect of the climate. A tsunami. Yeah? Somewhere in the Far East. Right? Okay. So that concept exists physically. exists even more in the emotional and spiritual realm. So tefillah is the time when the Jew holds up the world through machshava. The world of thought is sustained by the thought of the Jew, which is represented by davening. It's a time of kavana machshava. Then the world of speech is sustained through Limudat Torah. Because Limudat Torah, that's primarily about speech. Tefillah is primarily about Machshava. It's the inner Kavana, that's what makes Tefillah. 
The reason we speak by tefillah, he says, is only to be ma'ayr the kavana, but it's really about an inner state of mind and consciousness. Like we learned also from the Rebbe Chaim says, Rambam that the main union of tefillah, the chefts of tefillah is kavana salev. In other words, kavana salev is not a t'nai in tefillah. It's a chefts in tefillah. It's the chefts of tefillah. It's a very big difference. You could say something is a t'nai. It's not the chefts of it. In, in, in brisker, in brisker oasis. The marshal. Uh, there's a there's, there's somebody's going to say there's a tenai in Hilchas Shoifer, yeah, okay. There's a, in Hilchas Matzah, yeah. There's a tenai in Matzah. What's the tenai in Matzah? The tenai is you have to eat it with a saber. It's a condition. You have to eat matzah with a saber. You eat matzah, you have to eat it with a saber. You have to eat uh, two kaseisim or kasayis. These are all tenayim in matzah. Somebody's going to say, remember, in eating matzah of Pesach, there's one more condition. What's the condition? The condition is it has to be matzah. <laughs> That's not a condition. <laughs> that is the mitzvah. Sh- take shoifer. There's tnoyim in shoifer, yeah? What you have to blow, tkiyah, shvarim, truah, How long goes tkiyah? How long is shvarim? Do you take a breath? Don't you take a breath? Stand. Sit. Right? These are all dinim in shoifer. Some are ma'akiv, some are not ma'akiv, right? If there's a hole, there's no hole. You cover it with gold. Tnoyim in shoifer. But now you'll tell me now something else. I have one more tonight in Shoifer. You know what my tonight is? It has to be a Shoifer. <laughs> you can't go, ooh! You have to, that's not a tonight in Shoifer. That, without it, there's no Shoifer. Shvarim Truwe is a din in Shoifer. How to blow. The fact that without a Shoifer, you can't do the mitzvah. Oh, yes, genius. That is the mitzvah, Shoifer. That is the mitzvah, Shoifer. What's davening? What's davening? What's the chefts of tefillah? Kavana is not a t'nai in tefillah. Reb Chaim says, that is tefillah! What's tefillah? <laughs> you understand? It's a very rich vart in nigla. It's a very reich vart. It's not a kadin in tefillah. You have to have kavana. No, not you have to have kavana. They tell me, oh, you want to be yotzer shoifer? You have to have a shoifer. Really? You want to be yotzer matzah? You have to eat matzah, not rice. Okay. You have to eat matzah. Fine. Not, not rib steak. It's not a t'nai in, in matzah. That is the mitzvah. That's the cheftzah. Matzah means grain. Matzah means what it means. What is tefillah? What's tefillah? What is tefillah? What is it? You don't just have to show up over there. <laughs> so, so you could say kavana is important. Kavana is a condition. Even He says, no, that is what it is. What is tefillah? I'm standing in shul. That's not tefillah. I'm saying, that's not tefillah. It's saying words. What's, what's tefillah? Tefillah means a relationship. What's a relationship? What's a relationship? A relationship means I'm thinking about you. <laughs> I'm talking to you, and at least I'm aware I'm talking to you. There's something internally happening. There's some thought process. Without that, he said, it's not you're missing a condition in tefillah. You're missing an important condition. You're even missing something that's ma'ak of tefillah. No, ain't a tefillah. It's like eating rib steak instead of matzah. Fine. You're going to say you're missing a psatnai in matzah. You didn't eat achilles pras in the, in the shear of, uh, of 3.6. Right? You're missing an achilles pras. It's a tnai. Over there, it's not called achilles, but you have matzah at least. Here it's not matzah, it's not filler. That's his word. Now, which kavana are we talking about? Not Pirish Amilis. That's Takanat Ma'akav Bidiyevit, besides Birchas Ovis. And Shema Yisrael, you have to have Pirish Amilis. We're talking here that awareness that there's something happening in Tefillah. There's something, there's some 
internal state of mind, some internal state of mind by tefillah. Now this is the hardest part of davening, as you know. <laughs> to shut off your mind and to focus on something. It's very hard. That's the hefts of tefillah. It's the definition. It's the shoifer. Without it, what makes it tefillah? It's not how we look at it. We look at tefillah, you come to shul, you open the city, you say the words, you don't say the words, you say all the words, you say most of the words, you think the taich, you don't think the taich. That's all important, very important details. Tnoyim. You have a tnayim tefillah, you have to clean your hands. Taras yadayim. You have to clean your hands. But that's not tefillah. It's a dinin tefillah. It's a tnayim tefillah. You understand? This is a b'chaim's chiddush and rambam. And hilchas tefillah. But here you have it, he says in Lukut HaTayra, that the gather of tefillah is an Indian of Kavanah Salev. That is tefillah. I koil, koil is b'mo'eredas ha-kavanah. So therefore, in the mindfulness of prayer, the Jew holds up the thoughtfulness of the universe. That's basically what happens. Our machshavas are the axis upon which the machshavas of the universe are sustained. Isn't that a rich concept? Our thoughts all these books, all these new books that talk about your thoughts affect the world. This is Ayich Talzach Davenin and his Machshavis by Davening are the axis upon which all the thoughts sustaining the universe, and all the thoughts in the universe are being held up, including the greatest thought, God's thought, which is what allows everything to be thinking. So that means that thought of the monkey. That thought of the monkey, what the monkey is thinking about. I don't know if you ever think about monkey's thoughts. But the monkey thinks, or the thought of the bird when it's on the tree and it decides to fly to the other tree. It thinks, something goes through, right? Those thoughts are somehow all connected. Everything is connected. Because there's an axis upon which it all revolves. But my dibber creates other people's thoughts. That too. There's a word from the Magid, the Rebbe says he heard from his Rebbe in the Mezitra Magid, the Kudu Teira, Machshavah Zodah Shal Tzadikim, Poigmim Harbe Yoisem Yavoynes Chamuraz Shal Rishoyim. You hear? The Magid, the Rebbe brings from the Magid, the Kudu Teira, Machshavah Zodah Shal Tzadikim have a far greater damage than physical uh, uh, sins of Rishoyim. It's very sharp, it's very subtle. Machshavah Zodah Shal Tzadikim have a much greater blemish and damage than the sin of the Russia. Because he's very there's a subtlety there. It's very, very deep. It connects very deep to places. Machshav Zaras of Tzadikim. Doesn't it say that Machshav Zaras of Tzadikim are from other people, not from their own? Okay. Tzadikim Gemurim. Tzadikim Gemurim. You mean Tanya, Perik of Ches? Yeah. So that's the koyach of machshava, the koyach of thoughts. And you see today, today there's a very, they're very into this idea, but this idea is already yashon, it's not chadosh. <laughs> that your thoughts about something have a very, very powerful impact. The famous story of the Tzamech Tzedek, right? That a yid came and he had a serious crisis in the family with his child. The Tzamech Tzedek told him, Tracht gut, but sein gut. Think good, it'll be good. So, so it's a cliche, it's a nice thing to say. What should he tell the guy? What should he tell the guy? <coughs> but you're dealing here with a real Rebbe. A real Rebbe is not a fake Rebbe who just has to say something to say it. He's trying to think about what this person needs to hear and how he can help him. 
So he's not giving him an empty promise here. He's telling him something, and that is that a person thinks about something in a positive way, that creates, it has at least an effect on the reality. On the reality. It's not a small thing. Our thoughts define reality. Even though you might think your thoughts, what do your thoughts have to do with reality? But our thoughts define reality. Now, this doesn't mean that we cannot, we all have different types of thoughts, and I can't always control my thoughts, which is also fine. I don't have to control my thoughts, but I have to be able to go into a place where my mental state is not enslaved to thoughts that are overwhelming me. Because what happens often is a person's machshavas become so overwhelming and they become their thought process and there's nothing else but those thoughts and they don't realize it's just thoughts. That's also fine. It's thoughts. And ultimately, I'm in control of those thoughts. I'm in control of defining those thoughts if those thoughts are my reality or those thoughts are just floating around my reality. That itself is a thought that you have to think of. Okay, so therefore, tefillah is connected to machshava. Then he says the second thing is the dibur. Teach your children and speak. Morris says, thinking is not like speaking. It's not enough to think. You want to speak. Even though Torah is greater than Tefillah, much greater than Tefillah, Chazal say in the Mishnah Impeya, we say in the morning Talmud Torah, transcends everything, including Tefillah. And here we're saying that Tefillah is Machshava, and Torah is after that which is Dibur. He says, you're right, Ach Adirab. Since the source of Torah is extremely exalted in the highest places in God's will, called the Hidden One, among the Hidden Ones, in other words, He's concealed among the concealed. Because Torah is so exalted, Torah is so deep, one cannot receive its light in a revealed way if it doesn't come down and manifest itself physically in this world through the voice. Hakol Kal Yaakov, which comes from the breath of the mouth. And in that voice, in those words, you have the light of Hashem that is concealed in the Torah, comes out in that voice and is revealed to the point that it could give vitality to all of the worlds, the higher worlds and the lower worlds. It's known to those who know Chain. Chain is a Rosh Hashanah's Chachman Those who know the world of Nister, the world of Teres Nister, Chain. Shekol Dover Elyon Ma'ait. Anything that is very, very aloof, very exalted. It can only come out and be expressed at the ultimate end of the whole domino effect, soif maisa, at the end of all maisa, come on. On the contrary, something that's of lower spiritual value could be expressed not lamata, it could be expressed lamaila. Something that's very, very exalted, the only way it could be nizgala is not lamaila, because it's too intense. 
It has to be nizgala only lamata besoif maisa. You understand what he's saying here? This is a, a, a principle. Ki adua liyoidechen. Ki adua liyoidechen. What's the vart? The vart is azay. Chaim asks a question in Parsha Shmini um, in the Merkava of Yecheskel the face of the lion is on the right the face of the bull is on the left right is higher than left right is Chesed, left is Gvurah down here you would think the lion should be kosher at least more kosher than the bull up there it's higher Lepoil down here the lion is treif it's as treif as an animal gets you wouldn't even want to try to shecht it. It's probably not that uh, healthy to uh, chase a lion. And the shoir is kosher. In fact, all the carbonas, the carbonas come. So he says, how does it work? So the Rechaim says, Because Lamaila, the Arya is higher, so when it comes down, yeah, it comes down Lamata in a way that it doesn't express what it really is because it's too lofty to be expressed. So it's expressed, actually, <laughs> as a trefa animal. The shayr, because it comes from a lower madrega, so it could be revealed as a kosher animal, as kedusha even here. Now that's very interesting. The higher the kedusha is, it's not easy for it to come out. Why? Because it's so intense, so when it comes out, it would create like a nuclear reaction. It's very, very overwhelming. It's very powerful. Somebody that's not so holy over here, really up there, is very holy. So sometimes, yeah, we have a clown. It's not a joke. Whatever is higher falls down much lower. Not because it's lower, because it's really higher. Because it's higher, the Gemara says in Sukkot, Your bigger Yitzhar is also bigger. Something that's higher, like you have a wall. When a wall falls, the rocks that were on the top fall further. Yeah? Always they fall further. That which is higher falls further. Spiritually too. That which is Gavaya, when it's Yorid, it comes down to a much, much lower space than the than the than the, that which is not so Gavaya. Which sometimes creates a painful situation. Because the Arye, the lion is much stronger than the bull. Of course. The lion could kill a bull easily as it could kill many other animals or most other animals. But down here the lion is aggressive, the king of the jungle, and it's of course treif. The shayr is kosher. In the Merkava, the Arya is higher than the shayr. So what happens? What happens here, this is what the Arachayim says, the gavoya b'yoyser, that which is higher is yoyred lamata b'yoyser. It goes to a much lower space. That which is lower couldn't remain what it is. What's the Havana in this? The reason for this is because Whenever something is high-strung, take it in people, you'll see it in people. Often, the children that give you the most challenges are the ones who have the greatest potential. Because they have so much potential, it doesn't have an easy outlook. We spoke many times about this. If you have small potential or not such great potential, so there's a lot of things you can occupy yourself with. 
But if your potential is big, you need big kalim, you need big vessels. And when those vessels are not there, the potential gets frustrated and can come out in very, very wild, unconventional, and extreme ways. Not because the person is small, because the person is huge. The regular system can't contain them. The regular boxes can't contain them. Their thoughts are all over the place. So they're always bored. Nothing is good. They can't fit in. Why can't they fit in? Because the light is too big to fit in and to be satisfied. It can give you headaches like nothing else. This is the lion. The lion is not an easy animal. <laughs> the lion is extremely, extremely wild and aggressive. The lion is the king. If the lion could discover its majesty, that it's a leader and not a victim, then the Arya is the Malashabachai, then you have the lion king. But as long as the lion thinks he's a mouse, and he wonders why he's so frustrated with life, it becomes a big problem. Imagine you have an airplane on the FDR. Yeah, You have an airplane on the FDR, and the FDR is bumper-to-bumper traffic. And the plane is frustrated. Why am I six hours on the FDR bumper-to-bumper? And they say, hey, idiot, you're supposed to be up there in the air. You're not even supposed to be in the highway. But he doesn't know it. He thinks he's with everybody else. But he doesn't belong there. He, he, he stands out. You have a plane on the highway. It's not going to look good. You don't belong there. You belong somewhere else. But for this, you have to know who you are. He makes traffic. Huh? And he makes traffic. Makes a lot of traffic. Huh? Makes a lot of traffic. And stands out. And everyone has a comment about him. You don't belong here. Call a gavoya Either your mamish gavoya very high, or you're because there is such intensity that the normal vessels can't contain this light. The same is true also in Ruch in Kedusha itself. Things that are very, very lofty, they can't be expressed in normal spiritual language. Why? Because they don't have the containers for them. How do they come out? They come out in very unconventional ways. They come out where? He says in Saif Maisa. In physical action. In physical action, there is an energy that is rooted in the deepest places, which here, you have here a chidush atzum that he's saying here, I'm going to say it very bekitzer, and that is, generally, in the world of therapy, there's two different systems. One is behavioral, and one is psychoanalytical, psychodynamic. One is a person has a problem, you try to figure out the root of the problem in their soul. Another is, a person has a problem, you try to dictate their behavior, change, alter behavior. Marshall, a couple comes, they're having a marital crisis, yeah? One path is you analyze why she feels this way, he feels this way, what happened in your youth, who was your mother, who was your father, how you experienced yourself, what type of home you grew up in, what type of voids you have, insecurities, trauma, etc. All the good stuff, right? Another approach is... Start taking a walk a half an hour a day. Uh, start buying ice cream for each other every Friday afternoon. Uh, go away for three weeks and say, well, how is this going to heal uh, this? One is a behavioral approach and one is a psychodynamic approach. The emesis, and everyone tiny is that this is emes la this one says, this is chitzayinis, and this one says this one. What is the Alter Rebbe saying here? A big vart. And that is, 
there's a lot of parts of the soul that you could deal with by dealing with the soul. But the highest parts you can't deal with directly. The only way you can access it is through Saif Maisa. In action and behavior, you somehow can affect and trigger something that's so deep that there's no words. If you deal with it in the world of words, you're going to fail because it's beyond words, it's beyond thoughts. We have no access to it. So how do you have access to it, he says? In the opposite extreme, Saif Maisa. In technical, behavioral reality, which is divorced from internal emotion and internal awareness. It's just almost you change physical things you're doing. You didn't do anything else. You didn't go through an inner transformation and epiphany and an awakening. It's a yonam of ma'isa mamish. Technical shabba technical. But that can have a, create a dent and trigger an impact in places of the self that are unconscious. Why? Because what's our bridge to the unconscious self? I can't be conscious about my unconscious self. The moment I speak about my unconscious self, it's not unconscious anymore. It's already processed. What's the bridge to that? The bridge to that is Saif Maisa. The bridge to that is external action. Action seems very external. There's nothing there. There's no substance to it. It seems very alien. It's empty. What is it? Maisa. I did something. I didn't feel. I didn't know. I didn't care. I didn't... Nothing. I did. Maisa. In that Maisa, you can create a dent in places that are completely unconscious. Why? Why is that? Because the highest, highest realities that are not conscious... They express themselves in Maisa because they don't block it, they don't disturb it because they're not a threat to it. Consciousness manipulates truths that are unconscious. Action doesn't manipulate it. Why? Because it's completely technical, it's completely physical. So it's a keli for things because it doesn't have to articulate, it doesn't have to make sense. When things have to make sense, things that don't make sense will run away from them. When things don't have to make sense, it's fine. In mice, it doesn't have to make sense. It's behavior. It's physical. It's concrete. So he says, the oid of Torah, because it's deeper than tefillah, its real oid doesn't come out of machshav, its real oid comes out in hakal kal yakov, in dibur, which is a form of mice. It comes out, dafke there, and that's how it sustains the world. The higher thing is, in order for it to be nizgala in the world, is only lamata, besoif mice. Lamailet can't be nizgala. Why? Because there's a competition. The Lamaila is already diluting the revelation. Lamata! It's completely not a threat. Completely not. That's where it finds expression. In a very interesting way, behavior, which is devoid of any substance, carries within itself the light, the deepest light of the soul. And that's why behavior can change things in a place that nothing else can change things. So you have here what's going to be the future synthesis in the world of psychology. That it's not like the behaviorals who say, eh, we don't care about the inside. Mm-hmm. And the one who go on the inside and they say, why are you focusing on the externals? And the truth is that there's something in Maisa, in Saif Maisa, that allows you access to a place that you cannot access through your conscious thoughts. You just won't be able to get there. It's too big, it's too powerful, it's too true to allow itself to be spoken about or to be thought about. The only way you can access it is by not directly accessing it through an experience. It's through Maisa. Maisa, that's the keli for the deepest, deepest oidus. And then it comes down to Mashallah. Then everybody 
Oh, w- 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 once there's a change over there, it's going to trickle down everywhere. It's going to trickle down everywhere. It, but it begins with Misa. Begins with Misa. Uh, it could be another pshat in Nasavanishma, yeah. Here, Nasavanishma means in order to understand some things, you have to do. The Misa itself is, is, is a secret pathway to places that you can't get through without Misa. I like the ice cream theory. You can't explain ice cream tastes unless. <laughs> yes, you can't explain what ice cream tastes like unless you taste it. Yeah. You have to do it. What about what about chicken? Yeah. Chicken, you could. <laughs> you have to do it. What about chicken and ice cream together? Can you explain mm-hmm. that? Okay. <laughs> so that's the big, big thing. He has to explain the, uh, the two together. This is what he says here. That anything that's Elia in Ma'oid, its Ur will never be Nizgala, only Lamata in Saif Maisa. There it will be Nizgala. Why? Because Maisa doesn't create a condition of Gilui. Behavior doesn't have to be inspirational. doesn't have to make sense. Behavior is behavior. Do it. As long as you're making a condition that it has to work, it has to make sense, I have to feel it, I have to experience it, it's too big. It's not going there. It stays away. Maisa, which is devoid of everything, it's physical, it's brute, it's matter, there's nothing here. No, no toichen. Oh, if there's no toichen, that's where I'll go. Maisa says that Needs to compel like mm-hmm. means you could force somebody to give tzedakah. Yeah, often you have to compel ma'asa because it's about behavior. It's not about inner change. Who says this? The writer. Yeah, that's not pshat. Literally, ma'asa But yeah, the vart is that ma'asa triggers and makes dents in places that nothing else could make a dent. You think? sit with the person, explain, enlighten, educate, work. And those are important stuff. But if you want to get to the highest places, you need mice. That's his vart. If you want to get to the highest places, that we don't have access with our regular tools for it. It's too big. It's too intense. There you've got to go to the other extreme. In Saif Maisa, that's where you'll have it. Fascinating. And... Uh, and therefore in Torah also, he says Torah is higher than Tefillah. And therefore Torah needs Dibur more than Tefillah. The Oyer HaTorah comes out in Dibur. It needs the Dibur, the, the, the physical breath. Torah is about thought. Torah is about learning. And you need thought when you learn. You can't, if, you don't, if you're not thinking, you, but he says, the, but by Dibur says, V'hagisa b'ayayma Huh? The shuckling of Torah. The Kolat Smoisei Tamarna. The Gemara says in Erevin, um, uh, that it has to be bedibur l'moitzayem bepeh l'moitzayem bepeh, right? And then it's arucho mishtameres bechora machevarim. Hiru lavke dibur dami davke dibur. Why is dibur so important? Because the physical concreteness of it contains, he says, the oir haganos, the concealed light. Nine lines from the bottom, chavav column one, or page fifty-one on top. It should say achere. Brief and short. There's three components to creation. The Pasuk and Yeshaya describes them as brosiv, yitzartiv, afasisiv. 
I created the universe, I formed the universe, and I made the universe. These are not just three adjectives to describe the same thing. There are three layers of reality. There's the layer we call Bria, the layer we call Yitzira, the layer we call Asiya. An example, in a human life, he gave from thought, speech, and action. Everything can exist in the world of thought, in the world of speech, and in the world of action. So, for example, you want to build a new home. The home doesn't begin with Maisa. The home begins with Machshava. You dream. You think. It's all in your mind. But you understand that from your mind's thoughts, concrete will not emerge. <laughs> then you've got to talk about it. Oh, when do people talk? They talk and talk and talk and they build it with words. But you still know you can't build a house with words. And then you have the great challenge that's called action, Maisa. And between these three worlds, there are great separations. It's a great gulf. Now, the world in the, the house and thought is a house. It's a spiritual house. It's a house of thoughts. It's a house of cards. It's a house of thoughts. It's made up of thought. The house of words is also a house, but it's made up of words. And the house of action is a very physical house that you can walk into and, um, and touch and see and so forth. But remember, some things are about words. Some things are about words. A sheer is about words, but it starts with thought. You think it through, then you say it. Yeah? The maisa would be the actions that one may do as a result of it. You have a play. It's about words. A playwright, it's about words. So these are creations through words. So what about our universe? Is the world of our universe of machshava, the universe of dibur, the universe of maisa? Or to put it differently, there's God's there's God imagination of the world. It's the whole world, but it's in the world of imagination. There's the speaking of the universe, and there's the element of mice of the universe. And we also operate on three levels. Machshava, Dibur, Mice. Yiddishkeit, he says, is basically comprised into three dimensions. Tefillah, Torah, and Tzedakah. Tefillah represents consciousness, mindfulness, Machshava. Talmud, Torah, represents primarily Dibur, speech, the main mitzvah, the dibarta bum, and even though, of course, tefillah has dibur and Torah has machshava, they both have both. But the focus in tefillah is kavana salev, machshava. In Talmud Torah, a major focus is dibur, but of course, all dibur needs machshava as a prerequisite. In Torah Shabalpeh, if you read the words and you don't understand, you're not yoytze the mitzvah of Torah. In Torah Shabiksav, yeah. In Torah Shabbat just reading the words, they don't put this in Shulchan Aruch and Simen and Nerechayim. La Yada Maikama, even a person doesn't know what it means. He's still Yoytze Talmud Torah, because it's Torah Shabbat Torah Shabbat you still need Havana, but there's still the emphasis on Dibur. And then Sdaka is all about Maisa. It's not about thoughts, it's not about verbal articulation, it's about the action of helping the person. There was a Yid who once came to the Balatanya. He was a philanthropist. And he said that uh, he feels that all the tzedakah that he gives is inauthentic. It's not real. It's for ulterior motives. He does it for himself. He feels good and so forth. He does it for his covet. He would support many poor people. But he felt that it wasn't real. It wasn't emesdic. He was lamenting about his state, his moral, spiritual state. So the Balatanya went into a little bit of a dveikus, like a, a spiritual trance for a few moments. Then he came out of it and he, he would speak with a nigan. So the words this man used was that the Gansat Zdaka is nishmet an emes. The, all the charity is not truthful, there's no emes. So he said, yeah, aber de shtikl breit, 
was the Ottoman kaif for the kin, the, the shtikl breit is emes. <laughs> but the piece of bread that the man buys for his hungry kids, that bread is real. That, that child eating the bread, he's eating bread. So you could say from today till tomorrow, you're not real and you're doing it for this reason. The point is the bread is real. And that's important. That's what Zdaka is about. Should he work on his own disposition and character? Of course he should. But it really does not change the reality of the situation. That's what Zdaka represents. Zdaka represents what is the other person going to get out of it. So if I act in a certain way, even though my thoughts are crazy and my emotions are overwhelming and I'm in a very difficult state, but the action ultimately is good. The action is powerful. The action is divine. So since the neshamas of the Jewish people are the axis upon which the cosmos rotates, as he puts it, the pnimius ha'olamas, the engine behind all the universes, is neshamas Yisrael, God's breath. So therefore, avoida of a Jew is made up into, is, is, is divided into three strands, three pathways. Machshava, dibur, maisa, one holds up the machshava of the world, one holds up the dibur of the world, and one holds up the maisa of the world. They say an old anecdote that there was a, it's a very funny joke, there was a, an Indian tribe that needed a new chief. Now the say that by the Indians is you don't use technology, you want to know about the weather, you look at the stars, you look at the moon, and you figure out what the winter is going to look like. So this Jew needed a job, so he hired himself out as an Indian chief. He had a darker complexion, and it worked. So they took him, and they asked him if he knows how to read the stars and predict the weather. He says, of course. They asked him, no, what's the winter going to look like? we got to prepare. No, he knew about the pending winter, like I know about the pending winter. So he says, it's going to be somewhat cold. You know, when you say, you have all these words in, 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 that we have, we call them parava words. You're not, it's like uh, almost, uh, you know what I mean, whatever. Non-committal. Non-committal, doesn't mean it, almost, people like to say, whatever. You know, you know, you know, right, you know. They're not words to be used. Uh, say what you want to say and don't say what you don't want to say. But uh, somewhat, what does somewhat mean? I don't know what somewhat, is it cold? It's parif. So uh, it's going to be somewhat cold, no, but he didn't know, so he sneaked out at night and he called up the weather bureau in Washington and he asked them, they said it's going to be cold. So he comes back and he says he looked up in the stars again and he sees it's going to be cold. So they got very, uh, you know, very, uh, uh, somewhat, they got tense, it's going to be cold, and they started to collect a lot of wood to be able to warm their bones. The next week he calls up the bureau again and they tell him it's going to be very cold. So he gives the report to the Indians. He saw again in the stars, it's going to be very cold. Now they're frantically collecting lumber so they shouldn't freeze. Next week he calls up, they tell him, and he comes back to them, he says it's going to be excruciatingly cold. It's going to be awfully cold. Now men, women, children, 24 hours a day, they're gathering wood. The next week he calls up, they tell him, it's going to be the coldest winter in American history. He tells the guy, you know, you're driving me crazy. Every week I call you and you change the forecast. First time he called, very cold, awfully cold, the coldest winter. The guy says, listen, you think we know anything about the weather? He says, we know nothing about the weather. All we know is that this year the Indians are collecting wood like crazy, <laughs> nonstop. That's how, that's how we predict our weather. <laughs> so essentially, what the Balatanya here really is saying is, what the Magid one said, it says in Pirkei is, Da mala maila mimach. Right? Know what is above you. Da, you should know mala maila mimach. 
His Rebbe, the Magetaych, Da, you should know. Mala Maila Mimach. Whatever is happening, Lamaila is all from you. Whatever is happening above is all from you. Never underestimate who you are. That little Jewish boy, right? <laughs> he thought he's getting information from the Weather Bureau of Washington. They were getting all their information from him. He thought he was the ultimate Makabel, he was the ultimate Mashpia. He looked at himself as the ultimate ignorant recipient of, of data and information. And really, he was the source of all the data and information. So sometimes in life, you know, you're looking at others as the masters, and you as the slave, as the victim, when really it's the other way around. It's just a matter of perspective. So the Jew ought to realize that his consciousness, words and actions, are literally at the core. They're the axis of the universe. And therefore, Yiddishkeit has these three paths, Machshava, Dibur, and Maisa, which is basically, now you understand, a whole new Deher in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is not saying there are three important things. The world stands on three things. Why? Because the world is made up of three layers. Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. There's the world of thoughts, there's the world of words, and there's the world of actions. The world of thoughts is the world of consciousness. The world of words, I would say, is the world of DNA. <laughs> it's a whole world. And then there's the world of mice, which is the world that we observe, which is basically solid physical material. But if you study the universe, you get into science and physics, you know there's no solid material. Everything is letters. The world is made up of letters, of words. I'm not talking even from a scientific perspective. You talk about the DNA, which is the internal ultimate composition, say, of every single human being, Right? So what you're dealing here with is a world comprised of words, of ISIS. They compare it to digital letters like program, a computer program. And then on a deeper level, you have the consciousness in the universe. The consciousness in the universe, which we're only getting a little glimpse of the consciousness that exists in everything, that's already the world of Mahshava. Which is true, they're all true, it's just different layers of the world. And therefore Yiddishkeit is Tfila, Torah, and Zdok. And each one... Each one contains and holds up a different dimension of the world. Tefillah is where, you, it's, it's where your consciousness connects with the consciousness of the cosmos. Torah is where your words connect with the words of the cosmos. And Maisa, basically represented by Tzedaka, is where you make an impact on the physical, external world of brute material, materialism. So he says, V'hine begimel dvarim elu, anu mamshichin aleinu er Hashem liyis ha'er nechaz, k'me al derech mashal b'psilloi b'etzim. Remember, it's all based on the idea of Hashem alakecha eish oichlohu. The divine energy is like fire. Fire naturally departs to its source. You need something to hold down the flame. You need the wick. You need the logs to be able to hold down the flame. What is it that holds down the Ur Hashem, the Dvar Hashem, to continue to be invested in creating the universe, which as we said, is unbecoming. It's not reflective of the true essence of the king. So he says it's these three things that represent the wick that hold down the Ur. And we see an interesting thing. When you create a bonfire with a lot of wood, lumber, logs, you're going to have a lot of fire. You're going to have a lot of light and a lot of fire. But it's going to be thick. It's going to be dense. Gas means dense. Av means thick. Hanechaz b'psila. Now you have a light that's burning on the wick. Say you have oil or wax, and you have a wick burning. He says, Hu'er muat. 
you can't compare it to the size of the flame of the log burning, avalhudak. But it's a much finer type of light. It's a much finer type of flame. It's about the flammable material. You can't compare the substance of oil to the substance of a log. You'll have it also, as he says elsewhere in Miketz, in Hanukkah, that you even hear it in the, in, the, in the sound, right? When the log burns, when the log burns, you hear, what do you hear? The snap, crackle, pop. Snap, crackle. You hear it. What about twigs? You'll also hear, but you'll hear like a, a sizzle, I guess. You'll hear a much more subtle. And then with oil, you hear nothing. Silence. Hanukkah candles, you watch them, there's silence. What's the reason? The reason is, according to the Balatanya, and actually works with chemistry as well, it has to do with resistance. The log is brute. If you want to use spiritual language, the log has a big ego. The log doesn't let itself be consumed easily. It's like, you bang on the tap, why does this make noise and this doesn't make a noise? Ear, the Alter Rebbe says, ear is edel. You punch it, okay, it's fine. It doesn't lose itself. But the table, excuse him, it lets you know feedback. You punch me, I punch you back. The ear doesn't punch you back. So the log goes down, but it goes down with resistance. It goes down, and the resistance is expressed in the noise. The oil, essentially, is much more subtle. It's very fine. It yields to the flame in smoothness, in acquiescence. So therefore, there's silence. So he says you can't compare the quantity, the largeness of the flame of the log burning to the wick burning. But there's a fineness in the flame. There's a fineness in the fire and the light. And he says the same is true in Yiddishkeit. Kacham, inyin is achzus ein Hashem b'machshave hu er muet. The way that God's light gets held down into this world through thought is a much smaller oil. What do you mean a much smaller oil? You don't see visibly the impact in the vitality of the world like when you're holding down the oil through maisa and Dibur. Talmud Torah is Dibur, and the Gemara says, Akima Svasav Havamaisa. The movement of the lips is still considered action, even though it's not Mamish action, like, for example, the Maisa of Mitzvahs. But relative to Machshava, Dibur is called Maisa because there's a visible physical activity, which in Machshava it's all internal, you don't see it externally. You don't know a person is thinking of what they're thinking about. That's why the Pasuk says at the end of Azchanan, Hayoim La Saisam. What's that? Yoim la soisim. The Gemara says, "Ula machal akabel scharim." He's saying here, "Yoim la soisim ksiv." This this time is the time of doing. Kizet kala adam v'tachlus yiridus nishmaser loylam hazeh. Because this is ultimately the purpose of the entire human life and the purpose of his neshama coming down into this world. La hamshich eir Hashem bebchin his gilu yimirayim hamaylus at soif hamaisa to bring forth the divine light in a revealed way from the highest exalted states. Until Saifa Maisa, the ultimate end, the most physical space of the universe, the world of Maisa. Avalashras Ayrashem Bamakshava, he ruchnias Daka Mi Ruchnias and Nimshak and Espasha Tamato Bhinasa Maisa. So you see, when I gave a marshal of the wick and the logs, don't think I was just using two adjectives. I was trying to describe different experiences. 
tefillah would be considered considered like a wick. Ma'isa ha-mitzvah staka would be considered like a log. What's the difference? By tefillah, the oyer is much more edel, the oyer, much more subtle. But you can't compare the, the largeness of the flame. It's because it's in the world of thought. It's very internal. Internal changes are much more subtle, but they're not as visible. They're not concrete. You can't, you can't see them in the world of action. So he says, in terms of hayoim la soisom, of impacting the world in a revealed way, this is where you need ma'isa ha-mitzvahs, most. Then you have Talmud Torah, which is still dibur. In terms of the subtlety, the edelkeit, of the ur that you grasp, tefillah is the most edel ur, because it's the world of machshava, and that's like the psila. It's ruchni is daka, mi ruchni is anem shekhan. In ruchni is itself, you have ruchni is daka, and ruchni is gasa. You have subtle spirituality, and you have coarse spirituality. The Alter Rebbe, in an extraordinary explanation in Lekut Torah elsewhere, says when Chazal speak about gas haruach, gasus haruach, it literally means arrogance, a spirit that's gas, gas is a grub, coarse, thick, dense, brute. He says, so it literally means an arrogant person, you know, a coarse or a very arrogant, pompous person who's just filled with himself, egocentric, narcissistic, etc. He teaches elsewhere gas Haruach means he's a ruchniyizdik person. Ruchniyizdik. Oh, but the ruchniyiz is gas. The ruchniyiz is is thick, it's dense. In other words, in ruchniyiz itself, in Yiddishkeit itself, there's subtle Judaism and there's brute Judaism. If you want an extreme of it, it would be what the Ramban says in the beginning of Parshish Gedoshim, you can have a novel Berushu Satayra. You can have somebody who never sins. For everything he has a hat in the Mishnah Brewer, everything he has a hat in it, but he's a novel. He's still a degenerate person. What it means a degenerate person? Everything is a hat, but his internal self is not refined. Okay, that's in an extreme way. Novel Berishos HaTayna. You know, the, I guess the extreme, the extreme example of that is they say, Amai said that there was a, a poor man who comes to a very stingy, wealthy Jew. He says, I haven't eaten in two days. Give me something. He says, I don't feed. I don't feed Shnaras. You can go to the Hector Shtibu. So, uh, Today they call them, uh, I don't know, Chabad houses, what do they call them today? <laughs> Soup kitchens, whatever it is. But, uh, but uh, 18 Forche, the refrigerator, I don't feed poor people. So uh, he says, I can't go anywhere, I'm going to die, I haven't eaten in two days. Give me from the, gar- from the garbage, from the garbage I can give you. He gives him a piece of smelly old fish from the stone of the garbage from Shabbos, and the man is so hungry, he eats it. It was so salty and decadent, he, he, faint, he fainted, he got sick. So they hospitalized him. So this man tells his wife that he can't come home tonight because he has a very important mitzvah of Bikr This guest that came to them today, Nebuchadnezzar, he fell ill and he has to go visit him. The next day he tells his wife he has a busy day because there's a Levaya. The guy died, he has to go to the Levaya. The next night he tells his wife he's not coming home till late because Nicham Avelim, he left Nebuchadnezzar orphans, he has to go for a Shiva call. Anyway, he comes home from the Shiva call and he's excited. His wife never saw her husband so happy. She says, Yankel, why are you so happy? You come even never such a tragedy, a guy died. He tells her, How can I not be happy? How can I not be happy? Look how many mitzvahs I committed with one smelly, salty piece of fish. Four of the greatest mitzvahs. Where do you get an investment like this in life? One smally, salty piece of fish, and you cover four of the greatest mitzvahs of Judaism. Okay, So here you have a dramatic example of somebody who's very, very religious, but completely clueless. Completely doesn't get it. You have this on many different levels. 
So gas haruach means there's ruchnias, but it's gas. It's coarse ruchnias. There's no sensitivity to transcendence, to the divine. There's no, it's all, everything is coarse, brute. In other words, even God becomes part of gasos. So in Yiddishkeit itself, he says, there's ruchnias daka and there's ruchnias gasa. Ruchnias daka always has to do with an edel experience. It's very refined, it's transcendent. This is Pshat, the Mishnah in Psachim. You have to use a candle. A candle is with a wick. You can't build a bonfire, a fireplace, and do Bdikas Chametz. You need Eir Haner. So the Gemara says, Why Eir Haner? You remember, for, remember before, before Edison's days, you had an Eir Haner, you can go into Chayim, you go into Stockholm, you can go into crevices. With a Nair, you have the subtlety and the smallness that you could see small, nuanced details. That's Bepashtus, Alpi Halach. Alpi Nistri is explaining. Chametz represents the inflated, disproportionate sense of ego where the person is completely unaware of who they really are. And for that, the beer has to be b'machshava. The beer of Eir of Chametz is always b'machshava, it's always with thought. What do we mean? It's very, very subtle stuff. So therefore, the beer can't happen through external issues, through external habits. The beer has to happen through machshava. In other words, you have to go into a very deep place of your own mindful state of reality to be able to determine and distinguish what is chametz and what is not chametz. It always happens la'ir haner, bait kines ha-chametz. Ela shebeb kines ha-maisev ha-dibur, hispashtus oiru ha-ir On the other hand, there's a mile in the log. Because in action and words, the oir is much more and much more recognizable. It's not as subtle but it's much more recognizable. We see this in people's lives. Talk about the spirituality of man in terms of his biological soul. He says, what's the difference when you're thinking, or you're doing, or you're speaking? He says, You will not see the visible activity of brain activity of thoughts like you will see when a person is walking. When a person is walking, it's also triggered by brain activity. Nothing is not triggered by brain activity. When it comes to the world of Misa, it's very visible. The person is marching, the person is jumping, the person is dancing, the person is hitting, the person is kicking, whatever it is. When the Raglayim are in action, the whole body is moving and they're going from one place to another place. Afal Pikein, everybody knows. What's the main aspect of life? Thoughts. Haroishua Ikir the main life is in the in the brain, in the head. You remove that brain activity, you don't have life anymore. They both need each other. So each one has a mile. In the world of Maisa and even the world of Dibur, the activity is visible. It's recognizable. Why? Because it comes out in a very in a very revealed fashion in the world of Maisa, even in the world of Dibur. And therefore it's also much more in terms of quantity. The world of machshava, it's internal, it's subtle, it's concealed, and it's much less. But in terms of its internal impact, uh, intensity, it's much more intense. We all know one machshava changes a whole person's life. 
a person has a certain thought that goes into them and it redefines everything, even though nobody even sees it. Many of us, we live with certain thoughts, whether it's positive or negative, but you live with certain thoughts that live in your mind and they impact everything. What you do and what you don't do, what you say and what you don't say, how you live, you're at it. Everything is impacted by that makshava, even though it's very subtle, nobody even knows about it. Not only that, you may not even know about it. That's how deep it is. So he says, That's why in Yiddishkeit, there's no one path. There's no such a thing. All of Yiddishkeit is Torah. All of Yiddishkeit is Tefillah. All of Yiddishkeit is Tzedakah. That's not the case. That's a very warped, it's a very compromised definition of Judaism. In one area, there's something that's Torah, and there's nothing greater than Torah. In another area, there's Tefillah, and there's nothing greater than Tefillah. In another area, there's Tzedakah, and there's nothing greater than Tzedakah. Each one has its unique, indispensable contribution in the Jewish life, in our relationship with Hashem, and in its impact on the entire universe. Nobody's going to say that the feet or the hands are completely insignificant. The main thing is just to think all day, or to speak all day. There's the concept of machshavah, there's dibur, there's ma'isa, kulam, srichim, all need each other. So this is the brasiv, yitzartiv, afasisiv, that holds up the eish oichla, the dvar Hashem, which naturally would depart back to its source. Because for the divine energy to be invested in creation is basically like a clown game, in the sense that it, these words completely are not express, expressing the true divine essence and infinite core. On the contrary, they are a representation of God's self-suspension, self-abnegation, self-renunciation, sorry, self-denial and self-forgetfulness and self-transcendence. It's the Hashem Alekecha Eish Oichluhu, and it's the Lechvoidi, Ein Kovid El which creates the Brasiv Yitzartiv Afasisiv, that's Pshat Kalma Shabara Kadish Baruch Hulay Bara El Lechvoida. How is he Tashin Lechvoida? What allows creation to happen and to be perpetuated is that his Kovid, there is a Levush that holds him down here. Lechvoida, Ein Kovid El the Levush, the wick and the logs that hold him down here, that's what allows. For the perpetual creation, it holds down the fire here in the world of Torah and Avoid and Milas Chasadim. Rabbi Yechonon Karile Lemani Mechabdusi. Rabbi Yechonon would call, the Gemara says, Levushin, that which is Mechabed you. So covered is the Levush, so to speak, the garment. When I schlep you by your garment, I schlep you, I hold you, like I hold you by your, by your, um, by your sleeve. I'm holding you down. That's what holds down Kavayachol, the Er Hashem, Hashem Alekech Eishachlo. Now he goes, To explain even more this Pasuk, that Hashem is like a consuming fire, we have to mention one more detail. There's one more detail. No way that the fire is being held down by a wick or by logs to illuminate the earth with the with the light and the warmth of the fire, it has to be a fire that eats up, that consumes. She doesn't just have a relationship with that that she is shining through or burning through. She has to eat it up. She has to consume it. They have to ultimately become disintegrated and burnt in the process. If you have logs that are not suitable to be subsumed, to be consumed, to be eaten by the fire, there won't be a fire. 
So it's not just you need something to hold on the fire. That something has to be ready and suitable to be consumed by the flame. So it's not just you have something that holds on. That thing has to be consumed. Even when you have one of these three things, whether it's Torah, whether it's Tefillah, whether it's Tuk, whether Machshava, Dibra, which holds down the fire of God, the light of God, it's still not enough. For the Eir Hashem to hold on into the soul of the person, you need something else. Something has to give way. Something has to be consumed. There's no way you say, I'm going into the fire and I'm coming out intact. There's no such a thing. So here he's going to say there's one more detail. Kiyim, there's no way you're holding down the light of God in your soul. There's an element of bitl haratzen, where the ratzen surrenders and the soul goes up to God. Your ruach brings forth his ruach and draws down his ruach. What's the pshat? Hashem Alekecha Eish Eichlehu is saying now something else. Your God is a consuming flame. What does it mean it's a consuming flame? A consuming flame means, this the Baal Shem Tev once said, and he's explaining it here, what is unique about a flame? There's no such a thing a person says, I like the flame, I want to be close, I want to have an intimate relationship, but not too much. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give the fire my arm. <laughs> I'll give the fire in my arm, and my arm will become fiery. Rabid, it's one or the other. Either you stay away, that's fine. You could sit on the side and be a spectator, eat hot dogs and uh, mustard, and watch the flame and sing poetry or camp songs, and sleep with the mosquitoes. That works. But if you want to go into the fire, you have to be ready to burn, be burnt up, be consumed. So this was the Baal Shem Tov's way of saying something very profound. Hashem If you don't want a relationship with God, okay, that's a choice. If you want a relationship with God, it's an absolute relationship. A relationship with God is not a compartmentalized relationship. It's real. If it's real, it's all-encompassing. To put it in uh, different words... Think about what I'm saying. If God does not amount to everything, He amounts to nothing at all. You get what I'm saying? Why? Why? Because if God doesn't amount to everything, then it's not worth. Then it's, it's worth nothing. Either it's real. If it's real, it's everything. <laughs> And if it's not real, then it's not 50% either, it's not 10% either. Either it's real or it's not real. So if it's real, it's everything. (laughs) It's everything. It's 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a a year. If it's not real, so what? For 20 minutes it's going to become real in order to satisfy uh, some tradition or some, some cultural or family norm? You're right, you're right. But we're talking about from the human experience. You're right, of course it's a fact. I'm saying from the, you're right. Huh? There's more atheists than the Gnostics in this world. 
Okay. That it improves what you said. That the people don't, either they're one way or the other. They believe in God oh. or they don't believe in yeah. God. But, nobody that's but I'm not talking about here belief. I'm talking about experience of life. Experience Much of more than belief. Faith. Belief is... I believe. Fine. What's the, what does it cost to believe? Question: How you define what belief is? Okay. So what the Baal says is saying, If you want a relationship, it's absolute. If you don't want a relationship, stay away. But I can't go into the fire fifty percent. Doesn't work that way. Let me give an example of marriage. Could you be half married? <laughs> A lot of people wish. <laughs> and that's a problem. Yeah. Let me say it in Isis of Nigla. Gemarian Kedushin Davzayim, you remember? A woman tells her husband, I want to be Mekudush to you, yeah? Half of me. Chetzi Mekudush Esloch. What's the Allah? No good. So practically, why no good? Why no good? Where's your second half married to? Who's the second half married to? <laughs> Another husband? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. But what's the Havana? Could you be half pregnant? I'm pregnant. I'm almost pregnant. 50% of the day I'm pregnant. Does that work? You know why? Because you can't be a half a mother. Either you're pregnant or you're not pregnant. There's no such a thing. You have a half an esteric. Either it's an esteric or it's not an esteric. <laughs> I don't know if it's exactly the same example, yeah? What about a half-Jew? You know when people tell you I'm a half-Jew? What does mean you're a half-Jew? Yeah. It works, father, mother. I'm a quarter of a Jew, I'm a half-Jew. In Germany, they had these cheshbonis, yimach Sometimes people out of ignorance. You are or you're not. A person will say, ich bin a-, somebody once told me, I asked him, are you a human being? He says, ich bin halb mensch, halb behema. I'm a half a human being, I'm a half a behema. <laughs> Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but say you're a half Jew. You are who you are. So a person will say they're half married. So when they go to work, they're not married. <laughs> At home, they're married. Allah doesn't recognize that. <laughs> you're married even when you go to work. Why? It's a relationship. You're one. If you say, I'm not one, I'm only one 50%, so then 50% you're also not one. It's a different type of relationship. It's like a business relationship. That's the concept in a mikveh. Some hair is sticking out, you say it's a chatzitza. What's a chatzitza? The hair didn't go, you have to have all the hair going to the mikveh. You have some hair blocked by it's not good. Why? Because the definition is, it's, it's complete. It's eish oichla. It's complete. It's the whole reality. There's no compartmentalization. There's no division. Mikvi Yisrael Hashem. Mikvi Yisrael Hashem, right. So you'll ask me, this is water, this is fire, and this is the Gemara in Sanhedrin, ikrit vilusa benura. The greatest mikveh is the mikveh fire. The greatest mikveh. I mean, it's, it's a little hard for us to go into such a mikveh for obvious reasons, unless you go to something that was once in a mikveh in London, because it was almost 120 degrees. So I felt what ikhet filusa benure is, but I ran out pretty fast. So what's Hashem alakech eishoyich lohu? The eish, you can't be objective with fire. <laughs> you can't be a journalist and say, I'm going to be in the fire, but I'm going to remain detached. You can't be detached. Either you're in completely or you're out. If you're out, it's fine. But you can't be in halfway. There's no compartmentalization when it comes to Elokos. If it's divine energy, 
penetrates fully. Because it is everything. Everything is part of Ein Saif. If it's not divine energy, then you could start making deals. What do I mean if? I mean if from the hum, from from the human perspective. I'm talking from the human perspective. Huh? From people's doubts and uncertainty. I'll give I'll give, I'll give I'll give another example. I'll give an example in the world of dieting, yeah? Everybody wants to lose weight. You know one Jew doesn't want to lose weight. Everybody wants to lose weight, including me. So uh, a person is going to say, in the morning I'm going to be on a diet, in the afternoon I'm not going to be on a diet, which people constantly do, right? In the morning I'm going to be on a in the afternoon not. And then they wonder why they actually gained 40 pounds. The answer is, you can't play games. Either you're in or you're out. If you're committed to a certain lifestyle, it's 24 hours a day. If you're not, you're not. That's fine. Now, this doesn't mean people don't fall and make mistakes. Of course, we're weak. And we make mistakes. But we have to understand the standard of reality that compartmentalization is going to be ineffective. It's going to be unsuccessful. The Gemara says, Adam ba'ayel I can't have a relationship with Toida that's haphazard. When I'm sitting in my hammock with a pina colada, Shabbos afternoon, sipping a nice coffee, yeah, or that, so then I'll, 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 I'll learn something. Person has to go into it. Of course, it's a different type of oneness, and you have to learn from it and build from it, etc. We're not now talking about won't make make mistakes. Person goes on a diet, they cheat. Fine. Tomorrow you start over, but your shit. What the question is? What's your shit? Huh? Marriage also you make mistakes. Sometimes very big mistakes. So there's a concept called tshuva. That's part of the struggle. But what's the shitta? Yeah, what's the shitta? There was a yid uh, in the theaters, you had to take off your, your hat, right? So uh, there was this guy who was bald and he was embarrassed. He didn't like it. He liked everybody to see you and he didn't. So he always wore a hat. So he comes into the, to the theater and he's sitting with his hat. The guy says, please take off your hat. He says, my shitta, my philosophy in life is I don't take off my hat. Religion, theology, whatever, I don't take off. Fine. The guy says, please move, it moves, please move, please move. In the middle, the guy behind gets so upset, he throws off his hat. And he sees Kiddush Levana. It's a Kiddush Levana cop. So he gives a scream, he says, Don't take your boldness and turn it into a shitta. A person has sensitivities, a person has weaknesses. Don't turn it into a shitta. Right. That's the difference. People are weak. The question is, if it's a shit or not. A, by definition, a relationship with the divine is full. There's no compartmentalization. There's no Wednesday afternoon after I finish Plag and I'm done with Minchemaitiv, now God is out till tomorrow of a second. <laughs> We're done. Shabbos is over. Sunday, Shabbos is Chetzil Hashem. Sunday is Chetzi Lechem. Sunday is football and barbecue. There's no God. You may find God in your football. But there's no divorcing. Hashem Shabbos, we're married. Sunday, we're not married anymore. Huh? Manoel and Zeh. Mafsik There's no more. We just spoke about this, no? When? 
There's no mafsek mishnasa. Chetzi l'ashem, chetzi l'achem. The Chidush Ahrim writes, what's that chetzi l'ashem, chetzi l'achem? Yom tiv da'avoyde is to be megala. That the chetzi l'ashem, the chetzi l'achem is also chetzi l'ashem. That it's really half and half. It's two things the same. It's two halves of the same entity. The l'achem is also chetzi l'ashem. There's no division, there's no separation. There was a yid, it's not an interesting word. There was a yid who once told the Lubavitcher Rebbe that he's modern orthodox. So the Rebbe told him something very profound. He said, I never understood the term modern orthodox. He says, why? Okay, you have social terms, you know, conventional, this shul, that shul. But what he's saying, Amoyed the Kazakh, he said to him. He said, Memonavshach. What do you mean modern orthodox? If this Jew is committed to Shulchan Aruch, he's not modern, he's orthodox. If in some areas he's not committed to Shulchan Aruch, so then he's not orthodox. So what's that modern orthodox? Yeah. So you'll say, in every machloikas in Shulchan Aruch, he takes the tzad of the kula. He's not modern, he's orthodox. He may not be a machmer, fine. But he's not modern, he's orthodox. And the truth is, there's a very, it's, it's Ru'yam Hadvarim Lamisha Amram, because it's a very, very important idea. What's Pshat you say today? Haredi, ultra Orthodox, Hasidic, modern Orthodox. What's the Yisoyed what's the, in the world of Emes? What's the Yisoyed? Is it a Jew who believes that every Eis of Torah is Menashamayim? And Shulchan Aruch, he is committed to? If yeah, he's not modern. He's a Yid, he's an Erlich Yid. Does he make mistakes? Oh, and, and Haredim don't make mistakes. <laughs> You're talking about human weakness? Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has to do tshuva. The question is, what's his shit? If his shit is that some simonim and shulchan aruch are not applicable today, why are you calling it orthodox? It's not a game. It's not a game. If it's emes, it's emes. He's not modern. Why are you calling him modern? Why is he more modern than anybody else? I, he does things he relies on a heter? Okay. So say he relies on a heter. He's matter things that other people are machmer. Okay. Somebody who doesn't put on a bin of Tamsfilin is not orthodox because he's not machmer that the Kolbal Nefesh Yachmel Who says that? You can't say that, right? Somebody who eats Gebrachts on Pesach is not orthodox because he's not machmer. It's a chumrit. You have to understand. It's, if if Shulchan Aruch is matirit, right? It's a het. It's not matter. Elamai, some semanim of Shulchan Aruch, he says, are not for me. So then why are you calling it orthodox? So then it's another shit. It's a shit that changes Judaism and makes it accommodate your own sensibilities. It's already not orthodoxy, the way we define orthodoxy. She so says, I don't understand what the term is. What do you mean you're modern orthodox? You hold that Shulchan Aruch is the guide of a Jew. So don't, don't call yourself modern. If not, it's a whole different definition. So, so Taka, what's the definition of modern orthodox? What's the definition of modern orthodox? Okay, so that's the question. So it's hashkafik. So here again, is it hashkafal pitayda? It's hashkafal pitayda. If it's not hashkafal pitayda, it's not hashkafal pitayda. Now sometimes that itself can be debated. Okay, okay. But the fact that he's calling himself, he didn't. Why are you calling yourself such a term? Why? Why are you calling yourself such a term? Modern in the term that, so to speak, you're not fully, fully committed to, to the old Judaism. Why are you calling yourself that term? If it means in Shitta, there was sometimes a group of people that certain mitzvahs, they said it's not for us in the new generation. Well, Marshall, there was a time in certain places that mikvah was unheard of. The Upper East Side of Manhattan did not have a mikvah 
for women until a few years ago. It's the richest Jewish zip code in the world. The richest Jewish zip code in the world, the Upper East Side of Manhattan, right? Until the year 2000, there was no mikveh for women in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Because there was a certain hanokha that went in over there to the shuls that this is, you know, there were those who kept it and they had to go to the Liska mikveh or the Lower East Side and so forth. And then in the year 2000, uh, 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 the mikveh was built. I happened to be there at the Hanukkah Sabayis of the mikveh because it happened to be built by my sister and brother-in-law in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And who spoke there? Rabbi Chatzko Lukstein from uh, KJ, Kehillas Yeshurim. Rabbi Chatzko Lukstein said that in the year 1940, in March, in March, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayatz, arrived, he escaped from Warsaw, arrived in America. A few days after he arrived, he writes a letter to Rabbi Dr. Leo Young, who was the rabbi of Manhattan Jewish Center. He succeeded Mordechai Kaplan, who decided to create Reconstructions Judaism, and he was succeeded by Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb from Yeshiva University. But Leo Young was a very choshevayid, got smicha from Rav Kook, and Reb Hoffman from uh, from Berlin, from the Hildesheim from the Hildesheimer Seminar in Berlin. Leo Young, and there's a letter from the Lubavitcher Rebbe to Leo Young a few days after he arrived to America. He was already paralyzed and sick. He says, "I met Rabbi Yosef Lukstein." This is Chatzko Lukstein's father, the founder of KJ in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I met him and I told him, you have to build a mikveh in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, 1940. You have to build a mikveh. He writes to Leo, if you can help him build a mikveh, you need a mikveh, 1940. <laughs> in the year 2000, Chabad of the Upper East Side built a mikveh finally. And Rabbi Lukstein said, finally, <laughs> finally it happened. So you understand? So that's, if that's a shitter, that's already a whole different shitter. You can't go for mitzvah, you can't go for mitzvah. But the Nekudah here is that in Alakus it's Eish Eichla. Either it's Emes or not. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.